Coming up on Podcast 17, 12, Porsche and Audi reveal their next-generation EV technology. We've got the details. Stick around, I'll tell you more. Also on the show today, new Jaguar I-Pace, Tesla end a big Toyota long-running record. And I get some backup in the world of Mazda's rotary engine. Well, those stories and a lot more coming up on the podcast today, so leave us turned on. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. Welcome to EV News Daily, your trusted source of EV information for Thursday, 12th of January. My name is Martin Lee, and I go through every EV story so you don't have to. Counting down to the fifth anniversary of EV News Daily. It'll be next Wednesday, 18th of January. Oh, there'll be cake and party poppers. We'll start with Porsche fine-tuning their technology for the next generation of electric vehicles. The Macan is coming following the Taycan, and I think the Macan is going to be a really big seller. And also, if money were no object, a Taycan would... Hey, I'm not going to turn one down, but absolutely no use to me. But a Macan, you know, we have a little fella. And so actually, all of a sudden, if you want a really nice car, but you've also got to be practical mum or dad then those kind of vehicles i get why they're so popular now (laughs) i would love a porsche mccann in my driveway maybe i need to make a few more podcasts until that happens however they are revealing the details of the porsche and audi technology sharing it's called the ppe platform premium platform electric so 800 volts is what they have at the minute they'll stick with that system that makes a lot of sense there'll be rear wheel drive and all wheel drive they'll start with 450 kilowatts of power thousand newton meters of torque they talk about the change to permanently excited synchronous electric motors psm motors with hairpin winding used by porsche the rotor of the AC motor is fitted with permanent magnets that generate a a permanent magnetic field. In comparison to others, these new motors offer higher power and torque densities, better efficiency and better, they say, reproducibility of the power output. The development of the power electronics taking a big step forward. They're moving to silicon carbide technology, which is what Hyundai are doing with the upgrades to the Ionic 5. I've talked about that in the past. The all-electric Macan will have 100 kilowatt hours of battery and my friend Tom Logney from the State of Charge YouTube channel recently got taken to, ooh, I want to say Spain, Barcelona by Porsche and went through the presentations for this and they, he said to them, look, 100 kilowatt hours for the new Macan. That seems awfully convenient, you know, not, not 99.1 or 102.3. And the Porsche engineers, they completely straight face said to him, no, we think the ideal battery size, you know, if it wasn't exactly 100... It's you know German engineering. They would have been. They would have picked the right number. But they insist 100 is the ideal compromise. Not too heavy. Not too big. Not too small. But of course, with this, you can recharge it really, really quickly. 12 modules in the battery, and they are the prismatic cells. And they say that it's the new ratio of 811 nickel cobalt manganese. So lots of nickel, very little cobalt, very little manganese, and they can recharge it higher than the existing technology. So if you thought, oof, the Macan, sorry, the Tycon can charge at 270 kilowatts, oof, that's very fast. Then they say, oof, wait until you see what the Macan can charge at. They're not giving us the actual kilowatt number, but faster than the Taycan. I'm not sure it'll be more than 300, by the way. Otherwise, I think if it was that big 
Psychological 300 kilowatts number, they might have mentioned that, however. They do say they will give us a charging time. It'll go from 5 to 80 in under 25 minutes. Now, normally we'd say 10 to 80. So if we can all just stick to the same script and hymn book, thank you very much, car manufacturers. 10 to 80% is what we want to agree on, please. And don't deviate from that, because, look, it is difficult enough. There's a whole new vocabulary to learn with electric vehicles. If we can stick to a few commonalities, like how long it takes to charge from 10 to 80. I like that, right? I like that. Uh, However, if you turn up with the new McCann, the new Audis, the new Porsches, if you turn up to a 400-volt charging station, which, let's face it, many of them are, then uses a new technology. They're calling bank charging. It effectively splits an 800-volt battery into two packs, a bit like, I think, the Hummer does. A uh, nominal voltage of 400 volts each on each battery pack, although this isn't double stacked like the Hummer. They can be charged in parallel on a 400 volt charging station without any booster technology, and you, they'll even equalize both halves in inverted commas before it starts charging them both together. I'll pop a link to that in the show notes. It's from the uh, Porsche newsroom, the press office that I, they sent me this press release, and so. Loads of pictures, loads of details if you are super into that. Also on the Ford Media website of Ford US, the F-150 Lightning has been named Truck of the Year, latest award in the trophy cabinet. It's the fifth award for Ford in the past three years for North American Truck of the Year. The CEO of Ford said, we are moving fast to ramp production to 150,000 a year and pushing to improve every aspect of the truck. We started delivering lightnings from the factory with a fantastic new user interface update to improve the driver experience that we also will roll out to all of our lightning owners over the air. All right, let's move on. Here's a car that I had in my driveway for a month. I got sent a tough life, innit? I got sent a Jaguar I-Pace for a month a couple of years ago. It was box fresh. Had about 16 miles on it as well. And it was gorgeous. It was absolutely stunning. And the performance and handling was what blew me away. Now, the luxury, the feel, the materials were, were second to none. Usability, I thought, was very good, actually, of the entertainment. But I've had listeners to the podcast say they improved that. Early iPaces weren't so good. I thought it was snappy, and it all worked very well. Back in 2018, when the iPace launched, you wondered what Jaguar would do next. Well, we know the answer. Absolutely nothing five years later. But they are updating the iPace. It's now available from £70,000, but that is just the starting price, by the way. If you want the... Not the black edition, uh, but the Big Daddy edition. You'll be spending a lot more money. They've smoothed off the front grill panel. It looks kind of nice. Changed the front air intakes and coloured them grey. So you get already you're getting the idea. This isn't an engineering update. The powertrain option is still four-wheel drive, dual motor, 395 horsepower, 0 to 62 miles an hour or 100 kilometers an hour in 4.5 seconds 90 kilowatt hour battery pack 292 miles wltp range on a single charge i adored the ipace that we had here for a month i got sent to review i don't know how it would fare two odd years later in 2023 you know you got the new audi q8 e-tron coming very soon and the mercedes equivalents Tesla, well, with the top end, with the performance Model Y, it kind of plays in a similar ballpark now that the Model X is more expensive, although there is a bit of a gap, actually, in Tesla's lineup. And you you absolutely can't compare an iPace to a Model Y. 
the Model Y is a computer on wheels, you know you're driving a car that is a bit rough around the edges. No, sorry, Tesla fans, but it's true. The choice of materials is just good. Like, the fit and finish is good. You are paying for the chargers and the software, which is and, and the app, which is all fantastic, and the efficiency and the EV technology. Whereas with an iPace or a Mercedes-Benz EQC, you're after something different. So... I'm not sure where the iPace fits in in 2023, but I hope if you have one, you like it because I really liked it. Mini confirming two electric vehicles launching this year. Demand is increasingly as the Cooper SE uh, was sold 44,000 times in 2022. Had a 25% jump in sales, according to BMW blog. Now, Mini celebrates their 110th anniversary with two new pure BEVs. They didn't say exactly what they are, but we know that it's going to be the next generation Cooper SE and the first ever all-electric countryman. If you'd like to read that article, BMW blog, link in the show notes. Mercedes-Benz EQG has been spied, and for so many people, this is going to be a very big story. Now, for lots of other people, they'll say, I don't care. G-Wagons are overly expensive. Nobody needs to drive a car like that on the school run. But if you love this, you will absolutely go uh, just beside yourself to get the electric version. If they do it well, and it looks like they will. The Mercedes-Benz EQG, spied in winter testing, the off-roader photographed in northern Sweden, and the all-electric version of the G-Wagon debuts in 2024, so it's at least a year away. Four electric motors, so not two, four electric motors, one on each wheel, Four transfer cases, one for each motor. So all of a sudden, the software becomes enormously important because you can do some really funky, interesting things with the software to make the motors do certain things that'll climb you up the side of a mountain. The battery pack has a sheet of Kevlar carbon underneath it, so it's bulletproof. And because of the four motor setup, it'll do tank turns. You can move, you can program the software to make the car spin on a central axis like Rivian said they were going to do. They got so, Rivian got so much publicity over their tank turns that they binned off the feature because they were like, this is really hard to do. And it is really hard to do because every surface, whether it is gravel or snow or ice or stones, it's so, oh, I was reading the, the Rivian maybe a year or two ago when they just threw the towel in on it. It's just fabulously hard. We haven't got the time to make the tank turns work. But hey, maybe if Mercedes have got a couple of hundred engineers down the back of the sofa, they can make the G-Class do tank turns. Uh, steel ladder frame chassis holding the battery pack that's structural and Mercedes not denying the rumours that this will charge at over 300 kilowatts whoa 80 percent way less than half an hour whoa link to inside evs if you'd like to find out more coming up on the podcast soon toyota uh, beats uh, sorry tesla beat toyota in this long-standing record and the euro ncap safety results are out but are any of them electric vehicles if you leave us turned on we'll find out stick around all right, welcome back to the podcast. Suzuki's taking its first crack at electric vehicles. They've done the Indian Auto Show. It's called Auto Expo. In India, they showcased the EVX, 
looks it's an suv it's just a identical suv really it's a concept car it's suzuki it could be here in 2025 they say 60 kilowatt hours they say 342 miles that's 550 kilometers you can say what you want it's a concept and frankly suzuki they haven't got the most money in the world and they're a bit of a laggard in the ev world so maybe if i were them i probably would be a little bit late to the party tesla has ended toyota's 28 year run at the top in australia tesla sales double from the previous year and that meant they knocked toyota off their perch killing the camry's 28 year winning streak as australia's number one vehicle in the midsize segment between the model 3 and the model y tesla was 16th out of all vehicle makers in Australia, beating Audi, Honda, Volvo. 3.1% of all new vehicles in Australia are electric. Now, that is not Norway at 90%. Heck, it's nowhere near Germany, which was 55% in the month of December. Pure bevs. I know, right? Germany! Anyway, if you missed that show. Australia at 3.1. Yeah, it's less than the US, which is heading towards 5% of all new cars being sold. However... Progress. Progress Australia. We're behind you. Tesla's mega pack, if we stay in Australia, is being used at a bus depot where BYD buses, a neighbourhood in Sydney's inner west area, have got 55 electric buses at their depot, solar array on the rooftop, and a Tesla mega pack. That is 1.25 megawatts or 2.5 megawatt hours of storage. They've got five DC fast chargers and 31 AC charges, but they are 80 kilowatt AC charges. And the video, I'll pop a link to that video. It's quite long, actually. They take a tour of the depot. These banks of screens inside the offices, and it shows when all the bus, all 55 buses are plugged in overnight, it'll show how the efficiency was for the previous day, what the range is left on that bus. Uh, it's really, really interesting how an Aussie bus depot is going all electric. It's fascinating. I mean, uh, it was from an EV podcast that I hadn't heard of, so I'm going to go and subscribe. It was a really good video. Well done, yay, for the Aussies. Euro NCAP have announced their 2022 best-in-class winners, and it's a slam dunk, I'm afraid. The safest and ever year of the Euro NCAP, and they've announced the safest cars they tested. The winners were the Hyundai Ioniq 6, the Aura Funky Cat, the Tesla Model S, and the Tesla Model Y. There's a theme there. They're all electric. Let's move on. Charin is the industry organisation which promotes the CCS charging standard. I love, oh, I love a good standard. Oh, I love a good standard. Because this is uh, difficult enough what we're trying to do. Move the world to clean, green, sustainable transport, let alone 50 different plugs on the side of cars. So as much as I'm all about, uh, and I, uh, you know, every, politically everyone is many shades of grey, I think, unless you are hardcore red or blue can we all be a bit, bit more purple please because you know in some ways i'm conservative in some ways i'm liberal but when it comes to being told what to do i don't like that leave me alone please governments um get out of my life but 
when it comes to charging standards, can we all please agree on one? <laughs> can you please just tell me what's the plug? I don't care which one it is, and then we'll move forward with that. Well, Charon is the organisation that promotes CCS, and all the big car companies and Tesla are part of that here in Europe. And now they've added NEO to their ranks. The opportunity to interact with the industry in Europe and worldwide ensures compatibility, say NEO. Joining them are Vega Chargers from Spain and Jama Energy from Germany by the looks of it so adding all the time to the group of companies that advocate for the CCS charging standard now a couple of days ago on the podcast I went pretty hard it was a pretty hard tackle I would say uh both feet studs up on Mazda now I didn't get any pushback on that so maybe that says something about the audience of this podcast but I was just they've added a rotary extender uh, rotary engines a range extender engine which is just 10 years too late they've invented the BMW i3 Rex now Autoblog the famous Autoblog website wrote a piece today which kind of backs up what I say so I'll give you their take on it and that way I'm not alone range extenders should no longer be an excuse for crappy range then you're not just getting a low performing plug-in hybrid with compromised efficiency if you're driving an EV with 100 miles of range or now they've taken battery modules out to fit the engine a lot less than 100 miles but Mazda won't say drivers will find themselves relying on the range extender too often killing the joy of having an EV while others will avoid em- employing it as much as possible just go full BEV. If you're going to put up with a rotary engine in an electric-fired car, uh, you should at least get to enjoy the advantage of a rotary engine. But its inherent compromises lead me to think, despite Mazda's current attempt to prove the contrary, rotary is dead. And that is from autoblog.com. So not just me, I feel a bit better about that. The EV transition will benefit most US vehicle owners. 90% of the vehicle-owning households in the United States will see a reduction in the percentage of income spent on moving themselves around. More than 90% of households that replace a gas-powered car with an EV will reduce the amount of climate-warming greenhouse gases as well. EV ownership in the US has been dominated by households so far, with higher incomes and education levels leaving the more vulnerable populations behind, those that can't afford to go EV, the ones that actually, those areas, communities that are often by big highways and they are often areas are people of color and those with a lower education and those are the areas that they just build places where people are getting the worst illnesses it's not right and it needs to change we need to all we can to change that half of americans think lithium-ion batteries are unrecyclable according to the buzznews.com a new study commissioned by ascend elements found that 47 percent of americans think that ev batteries can't be recycled 37 percent don't know that recycled lithium-ion batteries can be used to make new ev batteries more than half 53 percent of americans so their attitudes towards EVs is positive, more positive than three years ago. 54% concerned about where these batteries are going to go at the end of their life. 48% think that EVs cause toxic landfill. 40% of US consumers say batteries in EVs are dangerous and more dangerous than internal combustion engines. Oh dear, oh dear. And 38% of US consumers think that EV batteries are sourced using destructive mining techniques. Well, no, they're just not. EV batteries are so that the supply chain 
of all the major car makers. Uh, they know exactly where all those are coming from, and they couldn't afford the bad publicity. Now, I'm not saying that bad mining doesn't happen around the world, but it doesn't tend to be for the high-quality uh, components of EV batteries. It tends to be for other lithium-ion batteries. So, yes, it is awful that some of the mining conditions, particularly with child labor, but in terms of how that impact electric vehicles very very little if at all because the car makers just would not source those materials from those places it tends to be other goods that use those kind of batteries china is recovering it's had a pretty big wobble at the end of last year with evs but deutsche bank say that uh, looking at the analysis of china moving forward the volatile months where the industry the ev industry has digested the expiration of subsidies is over for the full year this year they forecast a 30 percent increase in terms of ev sales and a million units for export and finally the new volkswagen boss who took over from herbert deese oliver bloom in a recent interview with automotor and sport said i quote our strategy is to keep combustion engines on the market for the time being because they're very popular in many regions of the world. At the same time, we are increasing interest in and sales of all electric vehicles, end quote. Well, the Charged EV website points out that, yeah, that's pretty much par for the course for what he's been saying over the last few years. Mr. Bloom has not been as EV pro, if you like, as his predecessor. I really miss Herbert Deese at the head of VW because he was really sort of shaking things up, rattling the unions and saying, look, we've got to make electric vehicles. And he didn't last. And the new chap who's come in, by all accounts, likes e-fuels, synthetic fuels. He's been talking about them a long time. It's not new. It was a worry when it happened. I think We'll wait and see what happens at Volkswagen. By all accounts, e-fuels are far less efficient than BEVs, even hydrogen. And that's saying something. So energy intensive to make e-fuels at the moment. According to the Potsdam Institute for Climate Impact Research, the efficiency of a synthetic fuel is 10 to 15%. EVs weigh more than 80%. It's a non-starter, but the new head of VW doesn't think so. Hmm. Right, question of the week, taking a break, but maybe it'll return for the anniversary edition for five years next Wednesday on the 18th of January. Uh, thank you very much to everyone who supports on Patreon. I couldn't do this without you. Our premium partners, Phil Roberts of Electric Future, Brad Crosby, Porsche of The Village in Cincinnati, Audi of Cincinnati East, Volvo Cars of Cincinnati East, National Car Charging on the US mainland and Aloha Charge in Hawaii, Derek Riley from the EV Review Island YouTube channel, Richard at rsev.co.uk for buying and selling EVs in the UK. Octopus Electric Universe. Used them on a recent road trip. Dead easy. I was using Ionity, actually, I think it was. And they offer global public charging. And they make it simple with one app and one map. Milbrookcottages.co.uk. If you're booking your holidays in Devon, go to the website. And Lease Plan Electric Moments, providing all the tools and guidance that EV drivers need. Have a good and see you tomorrow. And remember, there is no such thing as a self-charging hybrid.